Thank you, worship team. I always feel that whenever we have uh, those who are serving on the front lines and other places among us, it's good to hear from them, especially if they're communicators of the word, which uh, the Bannons are. I found that not just Michael, but his wife as well, Debbie. And uh, I, uh, we got to visit with them last night. It was a wonderful time together and found that as they're trying to serve a church in Galway, Ireland, uh, we have a lot of similar struggles in uh, building the church because the church is God's people. He's trying to build up and add to his people all around the globe, and there is an enemy, you know, who is in opposition to the advancement of the kingdom of heaven. And so uh, we're going to delight in listening to our brethren share with us today. I just wanted to mention, though, not only do they represent us on the front lines abroad, but uh, they usually are, uh, you know, walking in the world just like we are, struggling along, having uh, challenges, and so it's always appropriate to be praying for our brethren who serve. You know, they're not supermen uh, or superwomen or soup. They're super. I think, but uh, it's right to pray for them and support them. So I'm looking forward to hearing what they have to share with you. So give your attention, if you would, to the Bannons. I'm going to ask Michael and Debbie to come. Let's welcome them, okay? Pastor, thank you. Good morning. Good to be here once again. And, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, before we start, I want to, we want to thank this church here, Harmony, for your prayerful support over these many years, since I think 82, 81. And um, you've been with us as we were there in Kenya for 14 years, working among a Muslim people, then in Lithuania, Eastern Europe uh, for 15 years, working in, in that situation there. And since 2012, uh, being with us as we're in Galway, Ireland. And to give you a brief uh, auto of, of myself and, and maybe one reason why we first started to come here. I'm originally from New York City and I was born in the Bronx and uh, raised in Queens and then I came to faith when I was up at Cornell uh, University up there and um, came to faith there and uh, we knew um, somebody that worked here and lived here long, long, long ago Okay, and that's why we first came here. So we're really thankful for the support uh, that you have been to us over these many years and particularly want to thank the Harmony Helpers and I don't know where you are, who you are, but thank you very much for those gifts each year that you do send to us. want to let you know that uh, we're in Galway, Ireland now and Ireland, Republic of Ireland. Oh, can we have that video just kind of looping through? <clears throat> these, yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, so I'll go on. And, um, oh, there we are. Oh, okay, I don't see it there. Okay, great, that's perfect. Yeah, well, just keep on, just keep on looping through there, okay? That's perfect, okay? So, uh, we're there in, in Galway, Ireland, the Republic of Ireland, okay, not Northern Ireland, and the population there is less than 1% evangelical Christian or, or born-again Christians there. And we are involved in a ministry there, a, a fairly young church, and it is our prayerful hope that the we would be training up ambassadors to the nations. So we have people from 22 different countries at least. And they come for a time and then they go back to their nations and um, they bring the gospel with them as they, um, as they go back and then as they live back at home. I want to tell you a short story about a man, Ibrahim. 
Ibrahim is uh, originally from Nigeria. His mom, his parents are, were Muslim. He was Muslim, came to faith, uh, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, um, left Nigeria for whatever reason and, and sought asylum in the Republic of Ireland. Now, Ibrahim, he is a good Nigerian and therefore he looks out for his fellow Nigerians. And there was a, another Nigerian that asked him to receive a package. And uh, unfortunately, um, this package was not uh, really uh, good. Well, he, he received the package, put it down near his, his doorstep or inside, went to work, came back, and there were the guard or the police. The police were there. And they said, is this yours? He said, well, yeah, it is. I mean, it's, it is an essential. It, it is his. And they opened it up, and it had narcotics in it. Well, and it wasn't from Nigeria. It had come from Venezuela. Well, the, through the process, and the first uh, time that it was kind of run through the courts, he was declared innocent. But somebody was not happy with that particular judgment. And some years later, uh, several, three or four years later, it got uh, pushed through the, the system again. Well, Ibrahim now, um, he went in on March 14th to the court. On March 14th, he was reprimanded to prison. And there he is today. Uh, Ibrahim is... Um, loves the Lord Jesus, and he is really afraid. Like, I would be really afraid to be in a prison anywhere in the world, you know, because of all the horror stories I hear. And Ibrahim was also afraid to be in prison. Uh, but Ibrahim wants to serve the Lord Jesus, and he has become a witness to the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ there in prison. And because of his good behavior, he has special privileges now. And he has opportunity even to preach the word of God in the prison chapel service. So there is Ibrahim's life in, in a nutshell. And um, our prayerful hope is, is that as God works in Ibrahim's life, when he is released, that he would be a man of God, an elder, a servant elder to the people of um, not only his uh, country, but to his continent, come to our church. So the reason we share the story of Ibrahim is because the last time we were here, we actually didn't see all of you because we got snowed out twice. We actually met on a Monday night. But um, we had said our prayer goal was to see the people of our church from these 22 nations that are really, uh, it's an international church, that they would be trained up to reach out to the Irish around them and also to be ambassadors back to the nations from which they came never imagining that one way that God would answer it would be to take one of our Nigerian men and plant him in an Irish prison. A man that in all, I mean, his, naivety is really his guilt, not that he did anything wrong himself. But God is using him there and reaching to, out to Irish prisoners. So it's an interesting way that God uses to answer prayers. And on the other prayer request that we would be able to train up ambassadors back to the nations. Well, we have people coming from almost all nations, and our prayer is that they would reach out to all nations. One way that God has opened the door is that we had our first, first actual missions trip this past summer. Since Mike and I had been in Lithuania for those 15 years, and we had been working with some camps there on, in the summertime, um, when we left Lithuania, they said, do you think you could ever bring a team from Ireland back to this camp to come and help teach English as a second language? And uh, this past summer, became a, we saw that dream become a reality. 
as we were able to bring six of our youth, our teens, they were, became youth leaders, and three adults, including the two of us, to Lithuania to work there among the uh, Lithuanian teens. And our team consisted of a Nigerian, a Congolese, a Ugandan, a Togo, somebody from Togo, from Ireland, and from UK. We had a completely mixed group that were going to Lithuania. Now, Lithuania is a very white country, and uh, we talked about the fact that they could endure some racism, and we, told our, we talked to our kids about how we would respond to racism, also how we would have each other's backs in that process. In reaching Lithuania, we had a number of Lithuanian teens that were also, they were youth leaders from Lithuania, and they said, have you talked to your team about racism? And I said, we did. They said, well, because they could encounter that here. And we said, we realized that. So one of the big Lithuanian teens, this guy came up and he goes, just want you to know if they have any problems, you tell them to come see me. You know, I'll be here for them, which was so nice. And then he said, Johnny was the name of our Ugandan guy. He goes, do you think Johnny would let me touch his hair? And I mean, it was just, it was amazing to see, because they had never been around African people. And they had such a neat bond together. Our African guys are like, we want to come back and go to university here in, in Lithuania. They also saw that our, those, those that were coming to Christ, they were actually in, they were receiving persecution in their homes in Lithuania. And they're like, wow, look at what they're having to endure for their faith. It encouraged our group to really be stronger in their faith. The, the theme of the camp was, I am not ashamed. And that's been our plea, that our people would not be ashamed to share with the Irish around them, no matter what the response, to share with them in love the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful for the prayer support that we've had that have joined us in praying for these things, that our people would be ambassadors to the nations and ambassadors to the Irish around them. Thank you again for your prayer support, your encouragement since 1981. So God bless you. Hey, thank you, Debbie. I wanted uh, to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 today. So if you would uh, turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I'd like to read uh, from verses 7 through verse, verses, verse 18, okay? So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting at verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed, and so I spoke, we also believe, and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus 
and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. You know, in this day and age, more particularly as um, Debbie and I continue to get older day by day, you know, maybe some of you also here are getting older, okay? But we're, we know that we're getting older, okay? And um, as we get older, you know, we realize uh, we spend more time at the doctor's. I mean, this home assignment has been really amazing that uh, we just said Saturday, said, boy, you know, this home assignment is going so fast, and it's because of all the extra time we have to spend at the doctor's or talking to an insurance company or something, because we're getting older. And it's interesting that scripture is true. You know, these, these jars of clay are deteriorating, you know, and it seems to be snowballing more and more. But we're thankful that the inner person is being renewed. You know, at this uh, time in, in history, uh, people spend thousands of dollars a year, tens of thousands of dollars a year, to keep healthy. There is one um, recommendation by a particular government that says, for every good additional year of health, you should be willing to spend 25000 and above dollars. For every year of additional you know, health, life, good health, that you should be willing to spend that there are some very famous people that spend over a million, a mil, over a million dollars a year, you know, to, to be healthy and to look good. There's a, another a movie star actress that she spends $8,000 every month just to look good and just to be healthy. Statistics say that between showering and fixing our hair and uh, the cosmetics and, and everything, that um, 55 billion in 2014, 55 billion dollars was spent on being healthy, looking beautiful, um, on appearance. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. And as Christians, we should really ask ourselves: Is it worth it? Is it worth it? You know, as we look in Scripture, we get maybe a little bit different story. In Psalm 27, it talks about, One thing I have asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, the Lord's beauty. As Christians, Scripture tells us, we believe that we have eternal life in Jesus. Eternal life. Not just another extra year of life, but eternal life. In Jesus Christ, Romans 6.23, we have eternal life. 
That's the free gift of God, is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Not only is our Lord beautiful, but we are considered beautiful in his eyes. We look at Psalm 45, verses 10 and 11. He talks to the children of God. Hear, O daughter, hear, O daughter, the church now, and incline your ear. Forget your people and your father's house, and the king will desire your beauty. The king will desire your beauty. Since he is your Lord, bow to him. In our Lord Jesus' eyes, we, his church, are beautiful. And God gives us this beauty. In Jesus Christ, we have this beauty. In Jesus Christ, we have this eternal life. Now that is a good part. That is really nice to hear, isn't it? But there's another part of the story. Jesus says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Peter tells us in 1 Peter, Christ suffered in the flesh. Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. Paul says in Romans, We know that our old self was crucified. Take up a cross, suffering, denying myself, crucified with Christ. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? Every year in the United States, hundreds of thousands, six, over 600,000 people die of heart disease in the United States alone. The heart is an important part of the body, isn't it? We know it. Without it, you're dead. Okay? It's important. You know, as we look at these scriptures here in verse 16, Paul says to the Corinthians, we do not lose heart. If we lose heart, we die. Spiritually, we do not lose heart in Jesus Christ. You know, as we look at this word, the meaning is, is that to do evil, to do wrong, to not follow our Lord Jesus Christ is to lose heart. But Paul says we don't lose heart. Why? Why don't we not lose heart? To lose heart is to be a coward. The Bible has something to say about cowards. In Revelation 21.8, particularly, but as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. As followers of Jesus, we don't lose heart. We are brave and we are courageous for our Lord Jesus Christ because we don't look to the seen. We look to the unseen. We realize that we need to focus on him. 
our inner self, we realize, as we look at these scriptures, is being renewed daily. In verse 16, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. All the money that's spent on skin creams, all the money spent on longevity, it may slow down the process. It may slow down the process for a year or two, but not indefinitely, not eternally. But this renewal that occurs because the Spirit of God lives within those who believe. The Spirit of God lives within those who know Jesus and are born again. Renews the inner man, the inner woman, the inner person, day by day. And that is truly good news. And especially as I get older and I realize that my time on here, uh, my time here on earth is shorter. That's a very comforting scripture in my life. You know, Paul is writing here to the Corinthians. Later on in chapter, well, it, well earlier, really, he writes to the Corinthians at one time and he says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified. You were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. To have a heart, to have a mind, to have a memory that's being renewed daily. To have that, those heartaches of the sins that I committed in my past, the guilt, the shame, the embarrassment of sins that I committed before I knew Jesus, to have that washed away to be blameless now in our Lord Jesus Christ. For the Corinthians, and these Corinthians in particular, that must have been such good news, that I am now blameless, that I am now cleansed, that it's an old life that's gone, it's been taken care of. I am justified, I am cleansed, I am renewed. I have a new life. In Jesus Christ. And daily do I have a new life in Jesus Christ. That constant, continual renewal of mind and spirit and soul. But how does that happen? Well, coming to faith in Jesus. But how do I daily do that and make that a reality? Well, Paul says to the Romans, Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Paul also says in Ephesians, be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And that's difficult, isn't it? To daily take our thoughts captive, to daily have our minds renewed, to daily set our hearts on things above And perhaps there are times when we ask ourselves, is it worth it? Is it worth it, this life? And 
what I'm doing. It was sad that as we, um, as being pastor of a church, uh, seeing people that maybe five years ago, 10, 20 years ago, loved the Lord Jesus Christ, and for whatever reason have drifted, have drifted away from faith, have drifted away from the Lord Jesus Christ. And to see the confusion of soul, the confusion of what is right and wrong in their lives. They haven't focused on our Lord Jesus Christ. They haven't renewed their minds. They have let every wind of doctrine and every belief that's taught by our society. And they have believed that and let that affect drastically their lives and their bodies. Drastically. But we, the children of God, are to renew our minds. Let the words of God saturate our hearts, our minds, and our spirits. I talked about Ibrahim. There, Ibrahim now is in prison. March 14th, that's when he was put into prison. They told him back then that in September he would have an appeal. Well, September has come and gone. And they said October. October's come and gone. Then they said November. November's come and gone. And Christmas is just around the corner. So, come on. You can't expect the courts to do anything in the month of December. You know? It's holiday time. Maybe January now. Maybe in January. I ask you, each one of you, that as this gets long and drawn out for Abraham, that he would look He would look to the unseen. He would look to our Lord Jesus Christ. And that he would know. And that when he comes at night and at times when he says, Boy, is it worth it? Is it worth it? That the Spirit of God would speak to him and say, Yes, Ibrahim, it is worth your being faithful here in prison. And there will be a time when you will be released. But in the meantime, be my witness to these Irish men. Be my witness to these Irish guards. Be my witness. Live out my gospel to these people. Live out the truth to these people. And I ask that you would pray for Ibrahim so that when he is released, he can come back to us and he can be a servant leader to his people. As we look at these scriptures, it says that it's light affliction. Afflictions are appointed to all Christians. Paul says in 2 Timothy, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Don't misunderstand this verse. It is not saying that you have the option. It's not like every morning you wake up and you go to the cupboard there, and you say, okay, what cereal do I want today? You know, all Cheerios, or Raisin Bran, or Life. Well, I'm going to pick this. It's not like saying, well, what life do I want today? Well, I don't want to be persecuted today because I'm going here. You know? So I'm not going to take the, that life. I'm going to take the life where there's no persecution today. And sometimes as Christians, we think that we have this um, option. Paul says, you will be persecuted if you want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. 
Our afflictions are light. They're momentary. You know, the world has their afflictions, don't they? People who don't know Jesus have their afflictions, don't they? Yeah, they they, uh, get sick, cancer, they lose their jobs, they have financial problems, they have relational problems. They have all kinds of difficulties, the the people of this world, people who don't know Jesus. But for them, there is no reward, there's no treasure, there's no glory, there's no eternal life. There's death and destruction for them. There's no hope of eternity for these people. But for the children of God, for those who are in Jesus Christ. As we look at these scriptures here, there's this eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. You know, I have this little um, illustration here. You know, many of us have financial problems with finances, okay? And we have these difficulties. And sometimes jobs are difficult. We don't have a job or it's just a bad job or a relationship at our job is extremely difficult. We have those relationship problems, whether it be with a spouse, with a sibling, with a child, with the boss, with the employee. We have problems, we have afflictions, we have difficulties. Just in general, lots of problems. And afflictions come in all shapes and sizes. And afflictions affect us all and come into all our lives. They're part of life, aren't they? But scripture tells us we have this glory coming. Consider Paul's life. And sometimes it's, we, people give us some word of advice, you know, and they say, well, you should do this. But then we realize, oh, this person never struggled with this, this problem. How do they know? Paul knew. Paul knew. Paul's words are not just empty words here. Because listen to what he says just a few chapters later in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I'm talking like a madman. For with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death, Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and the day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from harbors, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. And when Paul says that, I feel like, wow, they don't sound like light afflictions to me. They sound really hard, okay? But yet, Paul says, these are light afflictions. They're light afflictions. And then when I compare my own life, my own afflictions, I, I, Debbie and I really believe, we know that Jesus, our, Jesus has blessed us so in our lives. My afflictions are light compared to Paul's. But at times they do feel very, very heavy. They do feel very heavy. Many of our people at Galway City Baptist Church come from many countries, as Debbie said. We talked about Ibrahim. 
is a young, uh, well, a mom, Frida from Kenya. She's a caregiver, so she cares for those who are sick and bedridden. Okay, well, she's from Africa, so her color is different, and because of that, some of the Irish refuse to let her care for them. Okay, yet those who she does care for say of her that she is the kindest, the best caregiver that they have ever had. For Frida, those are afflictions. For people to look down on her, people to say, don't come near me, don't touch me, don't come in my house, because I know where you're from. You know, An affliction for Frida. Ibrahim, afflictions. When, he, when they were lining up one time, all the prisoners... Somebody uh, put their foot out and accidentally he got pushed. So he fell into the gravel. Well, I think for most men here, maybe for most people here, you kind of get a little angry and a little frustrated because you know that was deliberate. But Abraham said, I just went back, I stood, I went like this to my hands, they were bleeding, and uh, I didn't say anything and I didn't do anything. There's an affliction. I mean, there's affliction upon affliction for him. Not only is he in prison, but now they're, they're mistreating him. Afflictions come upon all of us. Yet we are told by Paul that we look to the unseen. Verse 18. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. Faith is so much part of the story, is the story. In Hebrews 11, 1 to 3, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Yet as Christians, we look to the unseen. We look to the eternal. We see Jesus on the throne. We look to his grace. We look to his mercy. We look to his forgiveness. We look to the things that are to come. When our Lord Jesus reigns, we look to the new heaven and the new earth. We have pictures. Scripture talks a lot about the future. Because as far as I know, none of us have yet been there. But we know of one who has been there, and that's Jesus. And we believe in Jesus. And we look to him. For right now, he is unseen, isn't he? We don't see him, but we know he lives today. We know he's alive, and we know he's on the throne, and we know he comes again. And because we look to the unseen... When the afflictions come, when the trials come, when the difficulties get us down, and we ask that question, is it worth it all? Is it worth it all? By the power of God, by the power of the Spirit within us, we look to the unseen. And in faith, we believe. And we continue on in our Lord Jesus Christ. So when Ibrahim, the times come and he says, is it worth it? When Frieder says, is it worth it? 
when, as we are aging, and when we say to ourselves, is it worth it? We know it is worth it. It is worth it because we look to the unseen. How do we make that a reality in our lives? More and more so, we should be applying the word of God to our lives like honey on bread. Living it out. We pray. We study the scriptures with other Christians. We go to a good church like here. We worship our Lord Jesus Christ. We serve Jesus by serving his children. One of my favorite verses these days is now is um, found in 1 Timothy chapter 13. No, sorry, chapter 3, verse 13. Favorite verse these days is for those who serve well as deacons. I believe that I could say for those who serve well in the church. If you're serving well in the church, if you're serving the children of God, if you're serving our Lord Jesus Christ, gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Is it worth it? It certainly is worth it. And Debbie and I want to thank you for your partnership in the gospel, in the ministry over these many years. Thank you so much. Let's pray. Oh, that's right. Let me see. That's right. I put this up here is because, you know, our afflictions, they seem so light but heavy, but they really light. The time will come when Jesus, the word of God, will come. And those afflictions will be like nothing. But yet the weight of glory will remain. And it will increase. And we will have that forever and ever with Jesus. Okay, let's pray. Thank you. Let's pray. (laughs) Oh, do you want to pray? You get that rock. (laughs) Debbie, why don't you come up here? We want to pray for you guys. And... uh, You know, when I was praying, I wasn't quite sure why I said what I said, but you answered it for me. Doctors, getting older. I'm really sorry that's happening to you. Um, But, you know, it's not only... Yeah, (laughs) that's a little joke. Um, It's happening to me, too. Dentists, uh, all kinds of things. Um, It's not only the way to ministry, it's life that you're carrying as well. And we were thinking about this last night as they were sharing. What is the theme that your church is using right now? Saying yes to Jesus no matter what. Did you hear that? Saying yes to Jesus no matter what. How many of you in the room are grandparents? Come on, admit it. So, you know that uh, grandkids tend to have a special place in your heart. A lot. And they have grandkids, and they're in Colorado and Missouri, Missouri, and that's it right now. That's it right now. And they're in Ireland. How would you like to say yes to Jesus, no matter what? Small thing, really, in terms of light afflictions, and yet 
a lot of us wouldn't like it. But they joyfully continue to serve, find their place in uh, the church there in Galway and try to pour Jesus into those people. So I think that's awesome. How about you? So I'm going to ask the mission team, if you're here, if you'd come up, let's lay hands on these fine folks and commend them to the grace of God. Uh, I thought of that a lot last night when you were talking about it, because we have two grandkids, and we can get there in an hour and 40 minutes. Uh, so we cheat a little bit. <laughs> well, okay. We'll let you help us. We'll let you help us pray. So, Would you join me in prayer? In fact, why don't we stand together? Any specific requests? Or just those two requests. The elders. Yes. Um, the church would call elders yes. and, and its own pastor in time. Yeah. And that they reach out to the and Irish. They reach out to the Irish. And then to the others beyond. Yes. Amen. And being Irish, I know how difficult that really is. <laughs> Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we, we bless you because of the gospel. Our brother was reminding us this morning that that which we're sitting on this morning or touching with our hands or leaning on, that which we're going to go home to, which we're going to eat, all of those things are transient. But the things that have to do with the gospel and with the living God are eternal. We get the privilege of being linked up with God Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth through the person of Jesus Sometimes I think we're just sleeping through this, that it doesn't make me go crazy almost, with joy for the gospel, for rescuing us, for giving us life eternal. It ought to be spilling out of us. Lord, thank you for that. And uh, this glorious gospel, God, is what has rescued the people in this assembly, a sister assembly in Galway, Ireland. And there is a unique assembly where the nations have gathered together in a foreign place. The nations are there, and they have come under the influence of the good news. Lord, we pray for the Bannons. We ask for grace. We ask for authority. We ask for the word of God to be enlivened in the hearts of those saints. And we're asking an agreement with their prayer request. Two specific things. One, you need to raise up leaders in that place, specifically elders who will shepherd your people, probably from an international context. You need to raise up a vision among them to support for the future a shepherd that would come and take the Bannon's place and their fellow shepherd's place and lead them into the future for the glory of God. And to put into the hearts of those people the fact that they're on a mission field. There's an assignment around them, not only their own people, but the Irish and others beyond. And so, Lord, grant the Holy Spirit's illumination, grant a reviving, a working of your spirit, and sustain our brethren. Sustain them as they serve. Sustain them as they keep their heart uh, soft before you. I know that's my assignment constantly, God, to stay soft to the Holy Spirit. Grant that for them and grant mercy, grant angelic protection. We never take safety for granted. I'm praying for angelic protection for them as they travel, for their kids and their grandkids as well. 
since there's so much distance between them. Put your angelic warriors and protectors around their family for your namesake. We commend them to your grace. We thank you for the privilege of supporting them and having them represent our Master Jesus for us on other fields. Bless them, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we ask it, and all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful afternoon. The Bannons would love to visit with you, so they'll probably be at their table. Are you going to be? Yeah, they'll be at their table.